0: in. Appreciate that very much. Appreciate that Laurel too for playing for them. All right, let's turn to Revelation chapter 5. Good to see you this morning. Good to see some new faces. Good to see some old friendly faces that are here visiting as well and we appreciate you being with us today. All right, Revelation chapter 5 and uh, appreciate Pastor giving me the opportunity to preach, bring the message this morning and uh we'll pray in a minute pray for cassie particularly but you might just think of anybody that you know that is sick anyone in your family that is sick and we pray for them as you uh as you know i used to pray for sister trish and she gave me this tie for those who don't know and uh, while she was sick and i was just in pastor's office before and saw a picture of her and thought what a blessing she's in heaven She's with the Lord and and, uh, we just rejoice in that. We look forward to that day, don't we? Talking to my mum this past week, she's 97. She said, oh, I just look forward to the day when I'll lay down in the dust and go to sleep for the last time. I I trust that my mum knows the Lord. She talks the right talk. Sometimes I wonder whether she really knows the Lord, but I trust she does. Revelation chapter 5. This morning we're going to look at the lion becoming the lamb. The lion becoming the lamb. It's a little hard for me when I come here not to speak about lambs, (laughs) as you know, and sheep. But uh, I like to look at threads through the Bible. And if you don't like lambs, that's fine. I want to show you a thread this morning. We're not going to particularly expound this passage uh, the book of Revelation fascinates me, but I don't claim to understand it. Uh, I've been saved now for over 40 years, and, and uh, it was always a struggle to me as a young Christian to sort of listen to other older Christians and think, oh, they know so much, you know. I wish I knew what they knew. And then I got to realise as a young Christian, you don't have to know everything. You just need to know the Lord Jesus and he knows everything and you don't have to know everything. I don't know everything and and this morning I just want to show you a a thread basically, a thread and sometimes it can just encourage you when you read something to just sort of see a thread. You don't have to know the whole lot. Just see a thread and say, oh Lord, I see a thread And, uh, and it's a blessing to me. I don't understand the rest. Just let it go. Let it go. You may understand it more as time goes on, as God gives you understanding, but you don't have to worry about it all now. But we can see threads. All right, how about we pray? And then, of course, as you can pick up, the thread this morning is the lamb. The lamb. He's mentioned four times here in this chapter. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father... We come to you this morning with thankful hearts and uh, uh, we want to lift, our, lift our, our thoughts to you, lift our thoughts heavenward. Help us, we pray, to behold the Lord Jesus, the Lamb, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So Lord, help us, we pray, to just look on him this morning gaze on him afresh perhaps and to love him a little more Lord we just think of those that are sick amongst us and those that are sick perhaps friends relatives that maybe are far off maybe don't even know you but Lord each one of us knows somebody that's sick and we just want to lift them up to you this morning and ask that you would comfort them You would encourage them. You would speak to them. Lord, you'd bring them to salvation where they don't know you. Lord, this morning we think of Cassie in the hospital. We thank you for the operation that's been undertaken thus far and removed this uh, infected part of her bowel. We thank you for the doctors. We just thank you for the expertise that you've given them. But Lord, we just want to commit Cassie to you now and just pray that you would heal her body, restore her to good health, and we'll thank you for what you'll do. We acknowledge, Lord, that you are the giver of life, the taker of life, but also in this time of life, you give us health and you are our life. So again, we just commit Cassie to you and each other one that is in our thoughts and pray that your hand would bless mightily this morning. We thank you now. We commit ourselves to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I love the song that is sung here uh, at times when the lamb becomes the light. Of course, a reference to uh, Revelation about chapter 20 Where it talks about that the lamb is the light of heaven, that the lamb is the temple, etc. We're not going to go there this morning, but I want to go want us to see the uh, the important thread of the lamb through Revelation, and not just in Revelation only, but beginning right from uh, Genesis. Genesis. Tell you a funny story. Years ago, I was uh, I'm, I'm getting off the track already, but. Years ago, I was in Bible college, and and I was I never went to Bible college for two years. I went there for one year, and then they sort of hogtied me and kept me for another year. I couldn't wait to get out of the place. But anyway, two years in Bible college, and the second year, and a lady that used to her and her husband used to go to a a uh, nursing home to to you know every oh about a, every once a month or so and uh do a little service and and she said oh brother robin would you come and preach at the nursing home i said sure she said you have five to ten minutes i said Oh, no worries anyway i got up there and i said good to be with you today i said i'm going to preach from genesis to revelation and i looked down and that lady she just went only took five minutes but i got from revelation it's genesis to revelation and i looked that day at a thread too the thread of the tree of life and of course i went there and said you know the tree of life disappears the beginning of genesis because god bars man from the tree of life and then it comes up again in revelation so i went from the beginning to the end in five minutes no trouble so today we'll do the same. We'll go from Genesis to Revelation. But it, was, it interests me, you know, here in our passage I said the lion becomes the lamb. You have a look in, in chapter 5 and verse uh, 5. John is uh, seeing something in the future, okay? Revelation, when God speaks to John and he gives him the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the revelation of Jesus and he speaks about things which are and the things which shall, uh, things which have been, things which are and things which shall be hereafter. And if you look in ver- chapter 4 and verse uh, uh, 1, it speaks about, he says at the end of verse 1, I will show thee things which must be hereafter. So we believe that uh, John is actually sort of pictured be- here as being uh, like a picture of the rapture. He's raptured up to heaven. Okay, and he begins to see things which shall be hereafter. And so what we're looking at in chapter 5 is actually things that are still to come, still haven't happened, but God, John could see them in the spirit 2,000 years ago. Okay, uh, so here we come to, to chapter 5 through chapter 4. He, it's just a picture of heaven, picture of the throne, and a picture of the four beasts there, the four living creatures and... And I've always, from the beginning, when I read this, I struggled with the four beasts. I thought, there's no animals in heaven, but then we see these beasts or these living creatures in heaven. And, I, you know, I struggled with that. I still don't understand it all, and it really doesn't matter. It's there, though. It's there in the Bible. And I believe that the living creatures are pictures of, of Christ in the Gospels. You know, the, the living creature there, which is in, look, in chapter 4 and verse 7, the first beast was like a lion, picture of the Gospel of Matthew uh, and Jesus as the king, the king of the Jews. Uh, and then the, the, the second beast was like the, like a calf, which gives us a picture of Jesus as the servant in Luke. And then the third beast had the face as a man, picture of Jesus as the Son of Man, portrayed in Luke. Did I say Luke for the calf or, or Mark? I meant Mark for the calf and Luke for the man, the third beast, and the fourth beast like a flying eagle, picture of the son, Jesus as the Son of God in the Gospel of John. So there's these four living creatures and there's the 24 elders. What are the 24 elders? I don't really know, but I just believe that it's probably representative of the, of the church age, the 24 elders. Some like to think that it's uh, the, the, uh, the 12 uh, tribes of Israel, the 12 patriarchs and then the 12 apostles. Well, I'm not sure about that. I think it's probably a representative of elders of the church age, but we'll find out one day. All right. So here we are, chapter five, and here's John. He sees the picture of, or the vision of, of this book in the right hand of him that sat on the throne, and and a strong angel proclaiming, "Who's worthy to open the book?" And the the uh, and, and there's no one, no one worthy. In verse three that is uh, worthy to open this book and, and, uh, and, uh, and it sort of strikes you about the emotion that must be in John when he sees this no one worthy and he weeps much it says in verse 4 John is overcome with emotion nobody can open this book now why is he overcome with emotion I'm not really quite sure I don't know again but uh, no one's found but one of the elders say, says unto him weep not weep not The lion of the tribe of Judah is worthy. Of course, we know that's Jesus. It's obvious he's the king, isn't he? He's the king. But why isn't he spoken of as the king or the lion more often? That's the only reference that you'll find of him as the lion. The only reference. You can't find it anywhere else. You find inference of it back in Genesis when uh, God speaks about uh, the tribes of Israel and and, uh, Jacob gives a blessing to his sons and he speaks about Judah, you know, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. So it speaks about, gives inference about, you know, the king or the coming prophet coming out of Judah. But he doesn't speak of him as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He speaks of Judah himself as being a lion's whelp but doesn't speak of Jesus being the lion there. But here he is. He's the lion, right? But he's only referred to as the lion here in Revelation once. And then afterwards he's spoken of as the lamb. Why does the lion become the lamb? You and I would much prefer him to be a lion, wouldn't we? You and I would much prefer him to be called the lion right the way through, the roaring lion, you know, overcoming, overpowering. Who would ever call their sports team the lambs? (laughs) You wouldn't do it, would you? Nobody calls, in their right mind, would call themselves the lambs. Lambs are just made to be devoured, you know. What sort of ridicule you would get If you were called the lambs, lambs to the slaughter, yeah. (laughs) I was, uh, you know, this week we had a famous soccer player die, didn't he, in the world? Uh, Diego Maradona, was it? Did I get it right? I tried to look up what what the name of his uh, teams were that he played for. I, I didn't succeed very well but uh, one of the first teams that he played for were the Argentina Juniors and then the Bocca Juniors, I believe. Do so I get it right? Now, Juniors even evokes more emotion in us than lambs, doesn't it? You'd rather be called the Juniors than the Lambs. How about the Rams? Oh, I can handle that. Well, actually, a lamb can be a ram. I'll show you that in a minute. A lamb can be a ram. But when we think of lambs, immediately we think of that little thing, don't we? You know, that little first-born baby lamb that comes and it's just a few days old or perhaps up to a few weeks, but once they get sort of bigger than that, well, they're just a sheep. Actually, you know, they can be a lamb up until they're 12 months old and fully grown, fully grown. I remember when I first shorn lambs, once at a shed sort of uh, east of Adelaide, we were first married and I was travelling out to a shearing shed there and, and uh, they brought in lambs for us to shear and uh, they were only a few days old and I think, mean, what do we got to shear these lambs for? But, you know, uh, in those days, they used to have to dip the sheep all by, by hand through a plunge dip or in a shower dip. And if you didn't take the tip of the wool off of the baby lambs, the fluid didn't get in and surround them. It just sort of went off. It just shed like a water off a duck's back. And so they brought these lambs into us, only little fellas, and we had to shear them. Well, can you imagine these legs handling little lambs? And trying to hold them and, you know, lambs when they're little and they're just, you know, they're virile and a few days old, a few months, a couple of months old, up to a couple of months old, they're as slippery as oil. (laughs) They are. And I had trouble holding those things. They'd be getting up. They'd be running away. They'd be, oh, where is he? My handpiece is going in my hand and i got no lamb, you know, going all over the place. They were hard things to shear. And I thought, how are we going to shear these things? Well, I learned after a while. You sort of learn how to hold them. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, who would be called a lamb? Well, it's interesting, but Jesus chose to be called a lamb. You know, in, in uh, uh, Isaiah it says somewhere, the thoughts of God are not our thoughts. You know, the ways of God are not our ways. That's definitely so, isn't it? We would not choose to be a lamb. Why did the lion become the lamb? Well, I want you to come with me to to Genesis, Genesis chapter 4, to get an inkling of this right from the beginning. Genesis chapter 4. And we see the first reference here without a lamb there without a lamb being mentioned. Brother Andrew, would you mind grabbing me a water, please? I don't usually need any, but I'm famished this morning. Genesis chapter 4, and uh, here we, we have the account of Abel and Cain, you know, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. Now, you've got to remember, in the context... God had cast Adam and Eve out of the garden, right? He'd put them out and he'd told them, though, that uh, uh, the seed of the woman would bruise the serpent's head, hadn't he? And uh, so they had a promise that they were looking forward to and they never had any idea when it would come. And Adam and Eve probably, possibly thought in their minds, "Is is this the promised one? Is this the one that's going to step on the head of the the serpent and uh, take away our sin? In process of time, it says, oh sorry, and verse 2, and Abel was a keeper of sheep. Doesn't mention lambs, but the fact that he was a keeper of sheep automatically means lambs are born, right? But Cain was a tiller of the ground. In process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering under the Lord, Why would he do that? Why would he do that? Well, there was an expectation, wasn't there? Obviously, there was things said which are not written here for us. There was an expectation that uh, you would bring, a, bring an offering. See, God had already made the first offering, hadn't he, when they sinned and he had to slay some animals. It says he brought the skins and clothed Adam and Eve. Now, it doesn't say that they were sheep that he slew. But I struggle to think that it would be anything else but a sheep that he slew, simply because of the picture. The picture of the covering that they, was put on them uh, is a picture of the fact that the Lord Jesus was to come. And I doubt that it would be any other animal. But I don't, I don't believe God used a lion to clothe Adam and Eve. A lion's skin. lion's skin would have been a big one, wouldn't it? It would have wrapped them up good. But I think it was lamb skins myself. If it wasn't, that's fine. You know, that's God's business, not mine. But anyway, the fact is, there was instruction given to Adam and Eve. When they were clothed from their sin, God gave them instruction. Now, from time to time, I want you to bring an offering. I've slain some animals for you to cover you from your your nakedness. I want you to bring an offering. Because they obviously gave that instruction to their boys, didn't they? Bring an offering to the Lord. The instruction was to bring a lamb. Because Abel did that and God had respect under Abel's offering. But he had no respect to Cain's. Now the question is not written here, but it's inferred. Have a look in verse uh, uh, 6. Sorry, let's start at verse 5. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. So God said, I don't respect your offering, Cain. Cain was wroth about it. Look, very wroth, it says in verse 5. And his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, where is your land? You say, that's not written there, brother Robert. No, it's not. But it's inferred, isn't it? Why art thou wroth? If thou doest well, verse 7, if you brought a lamb, shalt thou not be accepted? Abel was accepted. Cain wasn't. Cain, where is your lamb? God, I didn't want to bring a lamb. I grow vegetables. I don't breed lambs. And I don't like Abel's lambs. They stink. I've been over to his sheep patch. My vegetables grow really well, God. You've got to accept them. Well, God said, I'm sorry, Cain, but I don't. Where's your lamb? I'm not bringing a lamb. It's there, isn't it? The inference is very clear, if thou doest well, if you obeyed instructions, I'll accept you. Well, Cain, as we know the story, went off and said, well, I'm not going to do it. He rose up and killed his brother. That's how incensed he got about the fact that his offering wasn't accepted. So you see, right from the beginning of uh, Genesis, lambs are inferred as being the offering that God would accept. Abel bought of the firstlings of his flock and he was accepted. Come with me to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22 and we see another occasion here. The question is asked by Isaac here as uh, he and Abraham are going up Mount Moriah God had given instruction to uh, to, uh, Abraham in Genesis 22 and verse 1 and 2. He said, take your son, thine only son Isaac, in verse 2, whom thou lovest and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Can you imagine the, the upheaval in Abraham's heart when he heard that? It must have just wrenched him, mustn't it? But you see, Abraham had faith in God. He said, I don't understand what you're asking, God, but I believe you're going to work it out. Because he'd seen God's miracle in his life of giving him a son when he was past bearing and his wife was past bearing and giving him this miracle son. And well, God, you gave him to me so I can give him back to you. And he marched up this mountain with Isaac with him but Isaac didn't know what his dad was going to do. And this is all a picture you see of God the Father too with his son, God the Son. God sent his son to this earth to die in our place and he had to go willingly. Isaac went willingly with his dad this day up the mountain and You read it through and uh, he, on the third day, it took them a long time to get to this place. It wasn't just a quick journey just around the corner and uh, he he says to the young men, the two men that were there with him, you stay here with the ass and I and the lad will go yonder. Isaac at this age is, he's a young man. We don't know how old he was but he's a young man. He's not just a little lamb, you know that could slip out from between his legs, from Abraham's legs. He's old enough to carry the wood. And, at, you know, 20, 30, 40 kilograms of wood, not easy to carry up a mountain. But Isaac was strong enough. He was, he, was a, he was a man. He was strong enough to carry that wood up the mountain. And part way up, he says, Dad? He says, Dad? Yes, son? Dad? You can see that in verse 7. Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. He said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Dad, we've got the fire. you carrying the fire. I'm carrying the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? God asked Cain, Where's your lamb? Isaac asked Abraham, where's the lamb? See, he knew all about offerings, didn't he? He'd been instructed by Abraham. Abraham was instructed his family well, just like Adam instructed his family well. Where's the lamb, dad? And Abraham had plenty of lambs. He had plenty he could have brought. You look back in chapter uh, 21, and the first reference to lambs is in chapter 21 in verse 28. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. And he gave them to, as a present to Abimelech. And Abimelech was the king of, uh, of the Philistines at that time. And, and with those seven ewe lambs, Abraham made a covenant between him and, and the king of Philistia, that they would not war against each other, basically. They'd dwell at peace with each other. So, you know, lambs was not a problem to Abraham to have brought one. He could have brought one up the mountain, no trouble at all. But he didn't, because God didn't give him instruction to bring a lamb. But Abraham knew, though, in his mind, here I am to offer my son as a sacrifice, as a picture, you see, of the Redeemer that was to come. And Abraham had no doubt in his mind that if I am to sacrifice my son, God can raise him back up again. And Isaac asks him this question. He says, Dad, where's the the lamb? And I'm sure that for the rest of that journey up the mountain, Abraham and Isaac talked together. And they certainly talked together when Abraham built the altar and then he put the wood on the altar And and he started to speak to Isaac and said, son, I, I have to tell you something. God has instructed me to bring you up here and to offer you up. You're joking, Dad. No, I'm not. And Isaac and Abraham talked it through because Isaac was, like I said, he wasn't just a little lamb that could slip out between Abraham's legs anymore. He was a man. Isaac would have taken his father out. Abraham's 120 years old at this stage, probably. Maybe more. Maybe older. Isaac could have run away from Abraham. said, you're not offering me up, Dad, for a sacrifice. But it says that Abraham bound Isaac and laid him on that altar. And he's ready to plunge the knife in to kill his son. I bet the tears are streaming down his face as he's doing this. Son, I I don't understand all that's going on, but God is going to raise you up again. And then God calls out through an angel, says, Abraham, stop. Now I know that you would not withhold even your son from me. I know. God was testing Abraham. It was a test of his faith. And God tests every one of us. If our faith cannot be tested, brethren, it's not faith. Our faith will be tested at some stage or other. Abraham certainly was, wasn't it? Well, Isaac got let off the altar because the, the, uh, the, the angel called out and said, Stop. And Abraham turned around, it says, and looked and in verse 13 it says, he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket. And you say, well, a ram is not a lamb. Well, like I said to you before, a lamb is still a lamb until it uh, cuts its first teeth in its, in its jaw and uh, the ba- first baby teeth are, are popped out and the, and the second teeth come through. And when the second or the first grown adult teeth come through, it's called a two-tooth after that or a hogget. But that doesn't happen until at least 12 months to 14 months of age. So Abraham looked around and he saw a ram in the thicket. Now the ram, brethren, was a lamb. When Abraham took the ram out of the thicket and he looked in its mouth, he said, yes, son, it's a lamb. It's a lamb. That's how you tell. You look in their mouth and check their teeth. He checked the teeth. I can remember one day catching a, a full-grown ram out on the back of, of Rockwell and he was on his own. I set my dog onto him and, he, and Kelly was a great dog. He grabbed the, th- the throat of a, of a sheep that I pointed out to him and he'd hold it till I got there. And I can remember grabbing this ram one day and then you know getting him there, wrestling him onto the ground and, and tying him up. And then looking in his mouth, and I couldn't believe my eyes, I said, and it's still a lamb. He was huge, you know. He was huge, but he was still a lamb. Still a lamb. Years ago, we were, we were out at, uh, oh, we'd just perhaps gone to Rockwell, I can't remember, but I had sheep on a gisman at a property in Burke. And uh, it was called Backer Burke Fruits, and they had a bit of land that uh, they let me run some sheep on and uh, had some sheep there and the fences weren't all that great. Anyway, one day we we went there and and one of the workers at Backer Burke Fruits, his name was Bozo. (laughs) Bozo was a great man. He was one of the key workers at Backer Burke Fruits. Anyway, Bozo came up to me and he was a European of I'm not sure which nationality, but uh, he'd sort of speak in broken English and he'd say, One of your, one of your, one of your is out. One of your, one of your, and he couldn't tell me what it was. One, one of your sheep is out, but he wanted to tell me particularly what sort of sheep it was. And he said, One of your, one of your, one of your, you know, one of them, one of them bull sheep. <laughs> a, a, a lamb, a, a lamb, when it becomes a ram, has, rose the horns, you know, and it can be in a curl. And those curls are what got caught in the thicket in, that Abraham found. But yeah, I laughed that day. Your bullsheep sheep's out, he said. Okay, so there we go. Where is the lamb, Cain? Where is your lamb? Abraham, son Isaac said, Dad, where is the lamb? And right through the Old Testament, and we're not going to look anymore, but the Lamb is mentioned over 400, oh, sorry, over 140 times in the Old Testament. We come to the New Testament, though, and come with me to John. John chapter 1. And uh, we're going to have to quit. We'll pick this up another day, won't we? We haven't really looked at the Lamb in Revelation at all, but... Uh, if I can just encourage you today just to read the book of Revelation and uh, mark every time you see the word lamb. And, we'll, and I'll just come mention it a little bit more in a minute and then we'll finish. But uh, John chapter 1, John the Baptist, when he sees Jesus in verse 29, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Where is the lamb? Here he is, folks. Here he is, John says. He's the one that will take away the sin of the world. Drop down to verse 36, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, behold, the lamb of God. The lamb of God. If you notice there, lamb is in capital L. Capital, capitals, that's very important. It always denotes uh, Godhead. It denotes the Godhead. Now come to Revelation and we'll finish up quickly. Revelation chapter 5. There was four references in the passage that uh, uh, Jeff read for us. Four references to lamb. Guess how many there is in the whole of Revelation? There are 28. 28 times That lamb is mentioned in the book of Revelation and it is Jesus that it's talking about. Here in our passage we have four. The lamb as it had been slain in verse 6, okay, obviously Jesus. The lamb is then worshipped in the next few verses and if you sort of look at that, it's just astounding, isn't it? I mean, like we said earlier, we'd rather worship a lion, wouldn't we? Than a lamb, but God chooses for us to worship a lamb. And here, the four the the four beasts and the the twenty four elders fall down before the lamb in verse eight. And then in verse eleven, you see John beholding uh, a, a great throng of angels round about the throne, and he even numbers them ten thousand times ten thousand. Now I sort of asked Rondo, I said, how, many, how, to, how, how big is 10,000 times 10,000? 10, he said, well, that's 100 million. Okay, 100 million angels. That's a lot of angels. But then it says, and thousands of thousands. How many more millions is that? It's open-ended, isn't it? So it's a bulk of angels, a massive amount of angels. And look what they're doing, worshipping the lamb, worshipping the lamb. And then if you drop down to verse 13, and every creature which is under heaven. So here, obviously, John is in the spirit, but he can, he can see things that you and I can't see. He can hear things that you and I can't hear. But brethren, it's prophesied for us. And it's worth reading. And it's worth meditating on. And just take it in. Take it in. Brethren, there's a lot of false prophets out there today parading around in our churches saying that they're current day prophets. They are not. There are no current day prophets. God spoke in these last days by his son, it says in Hebrews chapter 1. Period. Finished. No more prophets. But these prophecies are given to us, written down, and they're for us. It's all we need. You don't need any modern day prophets. You've got it all here. You've got all we need. And here, as John is seeing things that you and I can't see, he even sees creatures in earth praising God in heaven. How can that be? Well, I don't know, but it happens. If God can make a donkey talk, then he can get all the creatures on earth to praise him. Jesus spent time in the wilderness, and it says in one of the Gospels, with the, and with the wild beasts or the wild animals, did they take him out? No, because he's the Son of God. They worshipped him. They worshipped him. And here the whole throng, every creature, it says in verse 13, which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory unto the Lamb, or unto the one on the throne, and unto the Lamb for ever and ever and ever. Amen. Oh, brethren, it's glorious. It's glorious. What a thread through the Bible. I could talk about it all day. Come with me to Revelation chapter 13 and we finish. I'm not going to look at any more. I want you to go home and look at them yourself. Read through Revelation and highlight every reference to the lamb. You'll come to chapter 13 and you'll find that there's a different lamb here. I just want to point him out to you and then we'll quit. There's two references to Lamb in, in chapter 13. One is the Lord Jesus, and one is not. Okay? In verse 8, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. So, again, worship to the Lamb. Worship him whose names are not written. Sorry. Oh, that's right. And all that dwell. So, the Revelation chapter 13 is speaking particularly about the Antichrist, okay? And all of the people on earth receive a mark in their forehead uh, in verse 16 and 17 and that, that they can buy and sell upon the earth. And they give their worship to the beast or, the, or the, uh, the Antichrist. So they don't worship the lamb. All that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain. So they don't worship the lamb. But they worship the one that's mentioned in verse 11. And I beheld another beast coming out out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb. But you'll notice it's little l, lamb. Like a lamb. But he's not a lamb. He's not the Lord Jesus. He's the Antichrist. He spake as a dragon. So when you read through Revelation now, Mark all the references to lamb with a capital L. Guess how many you'll find? 28. 28, 28 occurrences of, of lamb in Revelation. It's huge. You know, we started off with Genesis, God asking or inferring, it's not written there, but it's the inference where's your lamb, Cain? Isaac walks up with Abraham, Dad, where's your lamb? Where's the lamb? John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb. And Revelation explodes the Lamb, gives him out for all to see in amongst all the gore of Revelation. I know it's not an easy book to read. I know it's not an easy prophecy to understand. You don't have to understand it all. But you can worship the Lamb. Amen. Worship the Lamb, all glorious above, and honor him. He's worthy. Heavenly Father. We just want to thank you for the lamb. We thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you that your ways are higher than our ways. Lord, help us, we pray, each one of us, to just worship the lamb, all glorious above. And Lord, look forward to the day when we'd be with you for all of eternity.